Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I am coming to you today from my home near Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan, on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. I have with me Dr. Edith Callahan, who is a professor at the School of Business at Acadia University and also the co-coordinator of the Environment and Sustainability Studies program there. So welcome, Edith. Thanks so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Jenna. Thanks for inviting me. (laughs) No problem. So just to start us off, um, if you don't mind just telling our listeners a little bit about who you are and and what you do, and and maybe a little bit about the journey that led you to where you are today. Ah, sure, thanks. Um, So as you said, I am a professor at Acadia University and we are here on Mi'kmaq territory. uh, And so grateful that we're we're able to be here. Um, And so I, I, teach in a school of business, but it actually seems like an unlikely place for me to be. I am very interested in sustainability and how, you know, businesses role in sustainability. Um, and this is what I talk to my students about. I talk to them. I, I The course that I teach with them, I teach one on business ethics, one on sustainable organizations, and uh, one that everybody is required to take called Strategic Issues, which is really a course that asks them not how they can be better business people, but how they can be better people in doing whatever organizational you know career they choose in the future. Um, and I have research projects in... Um, food and sustainability. I work with dietitians right now in the dietetics profession to try to understand how we can support dietitians in their role to support eaters in becoming more sustainable eaters. Uh, so that's one area. And I, I actually, um, I suffer a little bit from being overly interested in too many different things. So I also work with PhD students in Sweden at a university there called Blekinge Technical Institute. Um, And there I work with people on leadership and sustainability and municipalities and sustainability. And I'm also working on a pipelines project. So so maybe we could wonder about my own sanity and ability to sustain myself with all of these different projects. But but I really love being active and doing a lot of different things. And I, I think that that's that's what is needed. Um, and just a little bit about how I got here and why I'm here. And it's, it's funny, but since a very young age, I've always had this feeling that, you know, surely we could do better than this. Surely there is a better way forward. And I was born in the U S and, and lived there until my, um, 
in mid thirties and then moved up to Canada with my husband who is Canadian. And now I am Canadian. Um, and uh, my whole life I've carried this question with me, surely we've got to be able to do better than this. And I, I think it's all of our responsibility to figure out how we do it and how we do it in a way that's um, equitable and do it collectively. Um, and I, it's, you know, I am in the school of business. I wouldn't say I'm anti-business, but I am really not um, secure in a feeling that that the way we're operating today is going to uh, going to help us get to where we need to be. Like it's it's pretty clear that the way we're going is the wrong way and it's going to lead to our collective demise. Um, we can change. We all the rules around us, we set up so we can change them. And I'm confident of that. We just need the collective will to do so. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, I have so many questions about so many of the different things that you shared, but I really appreciate what you, what you had to say, say at the the very final thought there. And um, it's actually come up a number of times in the last couple of episodes and recordings here. And I think it's, it's because of the IPCC report that was recently released, but mm-hmm. folks, folks really coming and, and, you know, openly and, and discussing this concept that everything and every, in every way, the world as human beings have designed it, is by our own design. Therefore, yeah. we have the ability to change it. We created it, we can change it. And so this concept of like things being impossible to change or or it's just the way we do things. So how could we ever do things differently is just so um so ignorant to the fact that nothing was created for us. We we did it. The economy exists because of us. Business structures exist because we created them in such a way, which means, which is for me, I find, um, and a lot of what you're saying sparked this for me, but for me, I find that inspiring. Like if we created it and it's, it's on a bit of a, it's, it's on the wrong trajectory, then we can change it because we created it in the first place. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Well, you know, it, it's inspiring. Absolutely. And it's also overwhelming. I mean, and if you look at the reason that people don't think about sustainability or don't think about climate change, it's because it's overwhelming and, and, oh my God, we have to fix the food system and the energy system and the education system and da, 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 you know, and I have daughters, I have three daughters who I just, you know, cherish and think the world of, and I, and they are all very aware of what's going on and um, kind of, you know, at their young ages, they're asking the same questions that I, that I'm asking, although I'm, you know, I'm older, it's different for me. And I, my heart goes out to, to younger people today who were like, what, how, how are we in this world? How are we in this mess? And I think that, I think I, I would put you in this younger generation too, that it's really a, like a disappointment in the older generation, even though, you know, it wasn't all of us individually that created it, but collectively we are where we are. Right. And we all play a role in keeping the system system going as it is going and working to, to dismantle it. So yes, these are systems that we created so we can change them. And it is also true that 
it will be hard to get off fossil yeah. fuels. Like th this is not, and, and the other thing I want to make really clear is there will be losers. So can I swear on this show? Probably not. You sure can. It, it's, it's garbage. <laughs> I'll just say it that I'll say it this way. This whole thing about we can have a win-win situation, garbage, uh, utter garbage. There is no win-win. Like as we move forward, there will be losers just like there are losers today. So the way the system is currently set up, there are people that are expensed. There are people that are, you know, discounted. Well, their, their lives don't really matter or, you know, we can fire them. It's not a problem. We don't have to give them, you know, healthcare or we don't have to worry that we're destroying their community. The, the massive swaths of our population are being expensed currently. So yes, changing will be difficult and changing will require to remove power from some people. That will not be easy, but it's also not impossible. And there will be some winners and losers. They'll just be different in, in my idea of the wonderful future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you shared that. I think that it's a hard thing for people to see and, and especially for, for folks who don't see that there is currently losers. Um, and, and, you know, they're especially, um, you know, our most marginalized folks within our own countries and communities, but also abroad, like everything that upholds the system is on the backs of, of people. Um, and it's easy if you're not a part of that group to see to not see that there's yeah. still this this mass un, unbalanced system. So I, I'm curious, Edith, about so uh, this whole this whole kind of conversation, um, and then your role within the university and, and teaching within business. I'm really curious about how. Um, I mean, I haven't taken one of your classes. I, I would I would really like to, but it. Um, you know, how you teach within the school of business and, and how that goes for you and what it's like to be, uh, what I would say is probably a, a very different thinker um, within a school of business and, and how you teach about these things. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts or, or things that you could share about the courses that you teach and kind of the way sure. that you incorporate this sustainability lens into your courses. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting because I've been studying sustainability, environmental things, sustainable stuff, social stuff since the early 90s. And I've seen, no, early 90s. What am I saying? Um, even before that. Yeah, I guess early 90s. We'll just go with that. Um, and I, you know, I've seen students change a lot over that time. Um, and when I first started teaching at Acadia, um, and before that I was teaching at Boston University within a school of business both times, there was active resistance from students around the whole sustainability message and social messages. And, you know, that's not the job of business and, you know, corporate social responsibility. If it was talked about at all, it was talked about in like, how can we leverage this for profit, you know, like this is a new arena in which we can compete. And there are still quite a few businesses that do it that way, right? Their, their greening initiatives, quote unquote, are just another angle to, you know, gain customers and get more market share. 
Um, but so when I started teaching, there was active resistance. Then it moved into a bit of almost hostility. Uh, and I had one student say to me once in class, uh, you know, I've been hearing about climate change since I've been in kindergarten. And you're now asking me to think about it again and come up with solutions like you're kidding me. So and I get that. I can understand that if a kid at age you know, what, seven when they're in kindergarten is told, oh my gosh, the world is heating up and it's so bad. And then they're still talking about it at university. They must be like, what is going on with you guys? Get your act together. Anyway, so now it's come really quite around to business students. I would say the way I set it up at the beginning of the class, they are so happy to talk about these things finally. So I start my class by saying, you all know this stuff. The world that you're about to graduate into, it's difficult and it's going to get harder as you graduate. Things are not going to get better instantly. It's going to get harder. Climate change, it's going to get worse. We have major equity issues that we have to address and we really haven't done a good job at it. Plastics, plastics are a huge problem that we have. And I just go on and I say in this course, we are going to learn about these things and it's going to be bad news initially. But I'm telling you this because to be informed is to be prepared. And if you're going to graduate and go into business, you need to know how to respond to this. You need to know how to be responsible with this information, responsible leaders in your own you know, realm of whatever you're going into. So um, I feel that students are, most students are really eager to get this information and they're relieved to finally have someone in a yeah position of authority say i get it and i feel bad for you and this is what's happening and i don't have any easy solutions cuz there aren't any easy solutions this is going to be a struggle and they know that they know that intuitively so they're just finally glad to finally have someone say it to them yeah yeah well that that's that's good to hear and i mean i even noticed a big shift um so I was graduating high school and starting my undergraduate degree 12 years ago now. And um, which again, doesn't seem, it seems for me like a long time ago and, and, and not that long ago all at the same time. But I actually recently, um, I was, I'm part of a scholarship program or was, I'm an alumni of a scholarship program. And um, I was being brought in to talk to a fourth year undergraduate student kind of about her career path and, and you know, her direction forward. And it was a great conversation. Um, but I just, I, I couldn't believe the level. And even within the, the high school graduates nowadays, I couldn't believe the level of awareness and therefore the level of concern with what is going on in the world and how mm -hmm. for them, how to navigate their next step in life with all of these like deeply concerning things. And I thought back on myself at 18 and then again at 22 and I was super aware, like I, you know, I went to university for environmental science and, and got my first job in the renewable energy industry. And, and, but I, I feel like looking at them 12 years later now, um, looking back um, and, and seeing the way that they interact with these issues, they are hyper aware of, of what is going on and, and it is, their future and to say that that generation 
um, is not aware or doesn't care is, is, is factually incorrect. They're, they're, they're very conscious of what's going on. And I think for a lot of them, there's a lot of, um, anxiety about how to do what they want to do with their life in a different way and, and how to shape the future in a different way. And, um, you know, those are things I'm of course thinking about too, but it's, it's, they're very young and they're already conscious of this stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. My 16 year old daughter is, you know, she's sharing stuff with me that she sees on Instagram. And by the way, not, not to plug Instagram, I'm not an Instagram user, but, but I think that's one of the ways that they cope, right. Just by sharing funny memes or what, you know, whatever these things are called TikToks about climate change. And it, it, it's, it's this global cope coping mechanism that they now have. Um, and I would like to say that uh, I, every now and then I still hear intergenerational blaming um, going both ways. You know, older folks saying, oh, you younger people don't get it, or younger people going, you older folks get us into this mess. That is the most unproductive conversation we could have. So I would like to just call out to anybody listening, let's stop having that conversation because it doesn't help. I think younger people super aware and just as stuck in the system as we are. Yeah. Yeah. And and to to just speak to that a, a little bit further too, like, you know, we need the innovation and ideas and enthusiasm and passion of the younger generation. And we need, desperately need the, the experience and the knowledge and the, the, the live, the life of the folks who are in older generations. Like there's no, we cannot solve these large wicked problems without all of that. And so exactly as you said, just sitting around blaming the next person definitely doesn't solve any problems and takes a lot of energy. Not worth it. <laughs> yeah, not worth it at all. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's great. I mean that's it's interesting and, and that was something I, I was kind of questioning or had a question about. Um, and you mentioned at the start, Edith as well, you know, you have all of these varying interests and, and different things that that you're working on. Um, I'm, I, again, I was sort of curious about how you ended up in the food systems, dietetics world coming from this like business and business sustainability background. Like what is that kind of connection there and what does that work look like? Mm, Okay. That's a great question. Um, I, I think as in many things in life, what you end up doing is the result of a confluence of circumstances. So I've always loved food. I've always been interested in food. I think if I if I hadn't gone into economics in my undergrad, and then I, I did economics in my undergrad, then environmental policy from a master's, and then a business PhD, um, if I hadn't gone into business, I would have gone into something related to food just because I love food so much. And because food is at the root or, or runs throughout, I would say, maybe not at the root, but it runs throughout so many different issues that we have. So much that's great about the world and so much that is tragic in the world plays out in our food system. Um, so I ended up working in dietetics because 
I have a really good friend in the School of Nutrition here at Acadia, and she and I have very similar interests, and she's interested in sustainability and was curious about what I was doing, and I was curious about what she was doing, and we ended up doing a research project together that has just rolled forward, and we now have... um, We're working with ICDA, which is the International Confederation of Dietetics Associations, and we have created for them an online toolkit for dietitians uh, to to understand sustainability and to understand the relationship between sustainability and food, sustainability, food system, and their role in it. Because like, like so many professions, dietitians will get in their own little silo sometimes and say, you know, my job is to understand the, you know, nutrients of food and how it's processed in human bodies and blah, blah, blah. And they, they have their own little box that they operate in. Um, not always just like all of us do not always seeing how that relates to the other sectors, um, of society. And throughout my life, I've been kind of a connector. I've been someone who operates in the in-between space of different things uh, or on the edges of things. Cause I'm always interested in the bridges and the connections. So, so that's how we ended up here. And that's how I'm on this project working with a whole bunch of really cool dietitians. That's amazing. I, I just, it's interesting. And this is great. Cause I know, I know based on the analytics, a lot of folks who listen to our podcast are, are, younger and they're often kind of like looking for ways to be involved in the sustainability field the sustainability world um and I think hearing these kinds of stories where you know operating in the in-between spaces and sort of these connections between different things that we work on um it's 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 good for folks to hear about because I think the other kind of common thing that I hear is um you know people not really seeing a place for themselves or their work within the broader sustainability movement um and I always try to make the point to people that like we need everyone with every background and every discipline and every like there you you might not know everything or know none of us do but whatever you're passionate about, like there's a fit for you and maybe it's in the in-between spaces or maybe it's within a, um, a more structured setting, but there's, there's ways for us to connect all of these things. And um, whether we, uh, you know, whether we allude to it or not, they are all interconnected. Right. So um, yeah. yeah. So Jenna, if I may, the, um, I had a student this summer, I was teaching a summer course online and he and I were talking outside of the course and he was a mature student and he was asking big questions about life, you know, just kind of like what you were saying, like, I, I want to go into business consulting, but I also want to save the world. And I, you know, and I have a background in banking and then, you know, so he was like in this real, you know, in between space and, and, and maybe not confused, but yeah, perplexed about how to go forward. And, and he asked me, how, how did I come to where I am? And how, like, how long did it take? And I am 56 years old now. And I, I said, you know, it's really actually kind of recent that I have decided really come to understand what my unique offering to the world is like, what, what does Edith do? What can Edith really specialize in doing that I'm good at and I think the world needs. So it's not that nobody else could offer this, but it's that it's what I can offer. And I've decided 
you know, I'm not bragging, but it's, I'm really good at supporting other people. That's what I do. I support my PhD students. I support my colleagues. I support my undergrads. I'm good at support and I don't mind doing it. I love doing it. I love having conversations like this. So I said to this fella, you need to sit down and think, what is, what are you good at? And what does the world need? And what's your own unique offering in there? Just, just decide and, and then do it because the people who, who last the longest, those are the ones that just stick around, right? You don't have to, you don't have to go for the stars right off the bat, but you just stick around and keep plugging away at what you want to do. And eventually, eventually, ta-da, there you are. <laughs> I know it's yeah. not that easy, but yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, and I think, and I'm thinking about this, this young student that I was chatting to just a couple of days ago as well. Um, and similarly, I think even though this has changed over time, there's still a lot of pressure um, for when somebody asks you what you do to have a job description to give them or a title to give them. And I, I don't have that. And there was times when I did have that and I, yes, I had a job title, but I still had no idea what I was doing. Whereas now I feel much more connected to what I'm doing. Um, but do I have a job title? Like sometimes I have trouble explaining to people what I do and, and that's okay. And I'm okay with that. But I, I, I remember okay. that space. I remember that space and being in that space of like, well, if I can't describe what I do, then I don't, you know what I mean? There's just this pressure to, to feel like you have mm-hmm. to have a particular thing, one thing that you do. Um, and so, yeah. And I think the way that we this wasn't necessarily a goal out of the podcast per se, but, um, you know, this is episode, what are we on? I don't know, high thirties of episodes, um, that we release once a week and the breadth of folks that we've talked to and, and having these conversations has really, I think, shared with a lot of people that, um, yeah, like there is all these pieces of the puzzle and we all fit in there somehow and just, you know, figuring out what you're passionate about, Um, And then finding ways for that to fit into the sustainability space, because it does, like it does fit in. And so, um, and like you say, it just takes time. And all of a sudden, the pieces kind of click together. And it's like, oh, wow, I, I'm doing the things and I'm good at the things. This is great. (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing the things. I'll say, you know, it's like uh, what you were saying, this, this job title thing. That is a sign of legitimacy, uh, using air quotes again. that our unsustainable society asks for. What's your legitimate title? What grants you legitimacy? That is part of this siloed, unsustainable approach that we are pursuing. So yeah, I love what you just said. It's it's not so much about my job title, it's about what I do. It's about it's about what I offer, right? So Jenna the communicator, Jenna the, you know, whatever it is that you feel like you are doing, like you're making connections and you're communicating with people and you're broadcasting out to the world. That's that's quite valuable in this space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and I think it's exactly as you said there's just this a lot of pressure around the title thing and so it's always great sharing people's stories that don't connect to that idea and and I think that's that's really the way we're going to see change moving forward is to to be more creative about what we do and how we do it and and um and then just doing it so 
yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Um, just as a way, I'm sure we could, this has been such a great conversation, Edith. I feel like we could probably talk about these things for a very long time. Um, maybe a final question or a way to, to round out our conversation. Um, a lot of our listeners are thinking about these things from a career perspective or, um, you know, how to, to maybe do different things within their work life. But a lot of folks are also interested in sort of how sustainability can be incorporated into their day-to-day world, whether they're parents or, or students or professionals. Um, so I was just wondering a little bit if you could share or if there is anything that come to mind about kind of how you incorporate sustainability into your, your day-to-day life, or if there's anything that you do that sort of fits within that bubble um, in your day-to-day life. Yeah, yeah, good, good question. So I want to start my answer to this question by acknowledging first that I am privileged. I I come from a privileged background and I'm a professor at a university, a very privileged position, um, you know, with some degree of authority over something. And, uh, you know, and my income is middle to high, you know, like I'm privileged. I, I have means to do what I to take care of myself and to take care of my family. Um, so that acknowledged, um, I'll say that I think I think that really the most important thing we can do is consume less stuff, like full stop. We just have to consume less. Uh, the, the idea of shopping sustainably and buying our way out of this problem that we're in is again, complete garbage. If we all shop more sustainably, that does not send any message to industries because you are gonna you know, do one thing and then Joe over there is gonna do something else and then somebody else does something else. And there's, there's no clear message, it's just all noise and it's all people buying different stuff. Um, but if we collectively say, we are gonna reduce consumption you know, significantly, we're all going to start buying secondhand clothes much more. And I know we can only have secondhand clothes because people have firsthand clothes, right? But but there's more clothes in the universe than we are going to need for a very long time right now. So we have to we have to consume less. And when we do need to buy things, we need to 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 within our means, we need to buy things that will last as long as possible. Learn how to mend things, which I am terrible at. I will confess. Um, so, in a, you know, and then there's, of course, other things like, oh, eat less meat and more vegetables and shop local and all that stuff is good. Everybody knows that. I think the biggest thing is to be more mindful about your consumption and consume less. And then also have patience with yourself and don't beat yourself up. If you have to get on a plane and fly somewhere because you're visiting your parents. Like we we still need to live within this system. The system needs to change. And we are also living in this system. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, maybe there are, I'm sure some people that would disagree with me on this, but we consume less, but, but be nice to yourself in doing that. Right. Because, because sustainability won't, be achieved if we're all miserable because that's not sustainable it's not sustainable if we're all miserable right so so then we have to find ways 
I just actually started learning how to do horseback riding archery. It's so much fun. It is so much fun. So I carpool with a friend of mine to go do this once a week and it's great. And, and I accept, okay. So I had to buy a bow and I had to buy arrows and I have to drive there. But, but this is one thing in my life that I truly love and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And so then it makes me a better, happier person and more productive to do the other stuff I have to do. So yeah, that, I mean, I don't think we can consume our way out of it. We have to consume less and we also have to be gentle and encouraging with ourselves and supportive of one another. Yeah. Thank you for all of that, Edith. I think two, two big takeaways from that for, for me anyways, and I think our listeners will, will all take different things, but for me, um, prefacing the conversation with the level of privilege that we have, I think is really critical, um, because asking people to live in such a way, um, and, and putting us all on the same playing field in terms of how we need to live to be more sustainable when folks can't meet basic needs is at the crux of the problem in general. Um, and so thank you for prefacing that. And then really what you said at the end hit home for me. And I think it is an important reminder to, to folks who are listening to is, is yeah, if we are a world of, you know, incredibly anxious, stressed, um, overwhelmed, unhealthy, mentally and physically people, we won't be able to solve the problem and we will end up being in the same position with less innovation, um, less passion and compassion, um, and, and just less, less, yeah, less power and energy to get some things done. So, um, so thank you for sharing that. That was great. You're welcome. <laughs> and thank you so much, Edith, for taking the time to to be with me today and have these conversations. I, I'm really grateful. And I know our listeners will learn a lot from this conversation as well. Um, just as a way to, to finish off, if um, you know, if folks are curious about your work or, um, you know, any, anybody, any of our listeners um, on the East Coast are interested in your, your classes or the things that you teach, how, where can they learn more about that or, or um, learn more about the work that you do? Okay, so uh, people can certainly check out the uh, ICDA sustainability website that we've created. Um, which I should know the URL off the top of my head, but my computer just goes there automatically. I think it is something like ICDA, ICDA sustainability or sustainability mm -hmm. ICDA. I think it's ICDA sustainability. Also, you can find me at Acadia University, edith.callahan at acadiau.ca. People can contact me directly. I don't know. Should I have just given my email to the whole world? <laughs> the whole world well, can find me no matter what. <laughs> I appreciate that you think the whole world listens to my podcast, but I think you're probably, <laughs> I think you're probably safe giving your email. <laughs> um, yeah, I will actually, that's great. Before I'll make sure the ICDA website and um, even a link to your Acadia U page is uh, linked in the podcast notes in the show notes as well. So folks can, can learn a bit more, but thank you so much, Edith. I really appreciate your time. You're very welcome, Jenna. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. 
For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.